Hey, are you there? Are you listening? Come here, I got a secret to share with you. It's a private group on Facebook called DWH. <laughs> hey, you guys, it's your girl, Yahira Jones. Yes, I've created a private Facebook group called DWH, which stands for Dating with Herpes. So how do you get to this group? Well, you have to go to facebook.com forward slash one. Again, that is facebook.com forward slash Y-A-H. I-R-A dot J-O-N-E-S dot the number one. That's the first step. Once you're there, I need you to send me an inbox message stating that you would like to join the Dating with Herpes private group. Once you've sent me that message, I will send you an invitation so that you can join the link. Now, this is a brand new page, so there's not a lot of content on the Hybrid Jones profile page, but I do have content on the group page. So again, go to my Facebook page, Jones one. Send me an inbox message saying that you would like to join the group and then I will send you an invitation. That's the only way to join at this time, but I want this to be a place where all of my listeners can come, share their stories with other listeners, and just be a community with each other. There are other, of course, herpes sites out there on Facebook, but this one I've created especially for you. So join me there. See you soon. Hi, you guys. I'm your host, Shahira Jones, and welcome to another episode of Dating with Herpes. As always, it is my hope and prayer that you find this episode inspirational and informative. I am so sorry it's been so long since my last episode, guys. Um, Oh, my God. So much has been going on. Family life. Like, you cannot choose your family, but sometimes I feel like I wish I could. Um, you all know that I have a teenage sister. She's 16 and she is giving me and my mother a run for our money. Like I'm thinking back, like I, I, I don't even have to ask. I know I wasn't as bad, <laughs> as bad and troublesome and rebellious <laughs> as she is. But I know that she is, you know, trying to carve out her own way. You know, she is adopted, as I've told you guys before. And I know there's a lot that comes with knowing that you're adopted, um, as well as being um, um, a lesbian. She is a lesbian. She came out to us. um, Well, I confronted her when she turned 13 because I kind of knew. And, um, you know, I love her still. You know, it's, you know, her choice. You know, even at 13, it is her choice. And she's 16 and she's fully living um the life that she wants to live as far as who she wants to love um and you know I gotta let her do what she wants to do I can't dictate to her of course I'm not her parent but my mom is not dictating to her who she should love or you know anything like that but at the same time 
you know, she is still a teenager. You know what I'm saying? So as harsh and as strict as my mother was with me, she is not with her. And I think because mainly she is adopted. So she tries to show her compassion and try to show her love, but there also has to be discipline. And because there wasn't as much discipline, you know, mom is strict, but she doesn't discipline her like she used to discipline me. And, um, when there's no discipline, you know, teenagers think they could do whatever they want to do. And that's exactly what we're going through now. And, um, she is in love. So, you know, when you're in love and you're a teenager and your hormones are raging out of control, you just don't want to listen to nobody but the person you're in love with. And that's what we're struggling with. So it's been a rough couple of weeks and um, dealing with what we're dealing with her now. But hopefully, you know, now that we've gotten everything, or I hope that we've come to an understanding, um, things will be a little bit more smoother and... Um, I just know I'm not involving myself as much as I have been in the past. Um, And I told my mother and I told my sister this, you know, I've been the mediator because I'm the middle. You know, I am the middle. My mom is in her 70s. My sister is in her teenage years. And I'm in the middle of both of them, literally, as far as age is concerned. So I am the mediator. And um, to try to get both of them to see both sides because they're coming from two different spectrums as far as age. My mom's completely old school and my sister is a millennial, you know, and um, I'm, I'm in the middle literally. And so I had to tell both of them that I can no longer be the mediator. They have to learn how to figure out their differences um, just by talking to each other and, and communicating and speak, you know, hashing out whatever their grievances is and figuring out a way that they can cohabitate until my sister can be on her own and do her own thing. So that's what we came down to. And I'm sorry I gave you, you know, like my (laughs) personal um, family dramas that I go through. I I tell my coworkers, I said, this is this life that I live is truly a soap opera. And she laughs all the time. Well, keep me up with the next episode of your um, soap opera life that you live. But, um, now that we got that, you know, calmed down, that crisis calmed down, I can come back to you with the new episode. So I'm glad to be back. And hopefully the next time it won't be as long. I think I am going to go ahead, though, and do a bi-weekly, um, make this a bi-weekly posting. So the next one will be in two weeks. And hopefully um, it won't be longer than that. <laughs> Anyway, I also want to take the time to show my appreciation to all of my listeners. We have hit a milestone, I think it's a milestone, something I thought would have never happened when I started this podcast last November. Um, We are at 5,000 plays, actually to be specific. Uh, when I checked before I started doing the, um, this episode, we were at 5,081 plays, which I think is amazing. Got to give you guys a hand clap. Can't really clap because I got the phone in my other hand, <laughs> but I think it is amazing far beyond what I ever thought, um, this podcasting experience would be never thought I would reach 5,000 plays. Um, and some people may, you know, have reached this a long time ago. Um, 
may have reached this in a week. But for me, this has been a labor of love. This is something I feel very passionate about. And I'm just grateful for the experience. I'm grateful that I'm able to share my stories and my experiences with you guys and that you are listening and that you are responding to the episodes I post. So I'm completely grateful. Just want to give you a little bit of more information about who is listening because <laughs> I was shocked when I looked at my dashboard because you know this streaming platform now gives us a little bit more um, insight on what our numbers are doing. And so I saw that of course because I'm based in the United States, it, it wouldn't be unlikely for that the majority of my listeners are from the United States. And um, thank you, listeners. Um, 85% of my listeners are from the United States. 6% is from Canada. Um, 2% is from Australia. And then the remaining percentage, which is like, I don't know, <laughs> a 1%, 3%, I don't know. Um, but it's um, United Kingdom, I have listeners there, thank you, UK, Sweden, Germany, India, um, Ireland, and New Zealand. So thank you all guys, all of you guys for listening um, to the things that I have to say <laughs> and continually listening and tuning in every episode. It is so much greatly appreciated. So thank you guys so much. All right, so on the last episode, I talked about the different levels of fear that we face, specifically the different levels that I face, and I felt that if I'm facing, of course, somebody else has to be going through it too. Um, the first fear that we, we all kind of share alike and that we have the biggest fear about is the disclosure fear. You know, that's the biggest thing, but that's only the beginning. There are other fears that we have to overcome when it comes to being in a relationship after disclosing um, that we have the virus. Um, in that episode, I also identified that my other fear was spreading the virus to my partner. That was something that I deep, that deeply troubled me and it still does. Um, and you all witnessed, um, my my semi breakdown like two episodes ago. And the last episode I talked about how I broke down even more after I posted, um, that breakdown episode. So this is something I'm having to learn how to, to cope with and how to get through and how to push through is something I am still dealing with. So just because you get over one fear, there's still other things, you know, there's always going to be something else that you can, um, develop and learn how to do better and, you know, be better. Nobody's perfect. Nobody, is completely fearless. You know, there's always going to be something, even if it's not having to do with having the virus. Um, and I think the uh, most important tidbit, tidbit, um, that I have to give you, um, if you share the same fear, um, after disclosure is that, um, your partner, and I think I talked about this a little bit um, on the last episode. It's your partner's choice of whether or not they stay in a relationship with you. Um, once you've disclosed to them, you've done what you're supposed to do. Now it's their choice to decide whether or not they're going to um, stay with you. And for me, it was hard for me to understand why they would want to stay. As crazy as that sounds, as much as we want somebody to stay, as I should say, let me put myself in this situation, as much as I want somebody to stay in my guy that I'm with now to stay with me, sometimes it's kind of hard for me to understand why he wants to stay. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I made this such a big 
thing. You know, I'm a great person, but because I have this situation, this virus, I feel like it overshadows sometimes everything that I bring to the table. And he sees everything that I bring to the table, but I just make the virus so much more bigger than it is. And I think that's what so many people do um, when it comes to that virus. You know, we bring so much more to the table than this virus and we make it so much bigger than it is so it makes it hard for us to understand or hard for us to disclose or hard for us to accept love hard for us to understand why would somebody want to be with us um seeing that they have the risk and seeing that they you know that this is something that's not going to ever go away so we make it bigger than it really is and trying to rationalize everything um in my mind, causes panic. You know what I'm saying? When I'm trying to rationalize, okay, well, you know, why would he want to stay with me? Maybe he has it himself. Or maybe, you know, he, um, you know, just trying to rationalize it made me crazy, made me panic. So just take it from me and my experience and what I shared in the last episode. And I talked a little bit more in depth of how we can overcome those fears. So if you haven't listened to that episode, just go back to the last episode. I kind of lost count on what episodes I'm on now. (laughs) I've done so many, so I don't know what episode number, but it was the one that I did just before this one. So check that episode out. All right. Now, shortly after I posted the last episode, I received an email from a listener who I identified, who I identified with, um, the email that she sent me, he or she, to keep this anonymous, <laughs> um, he or she sent me, um, I'm not going to say the listener's name or give too much detail about the content of what was in the email, but he or she was concerned just as much as I was about spreading the virus to their spouse. You know, so this, this, um, listener is actually married and he or she was concerned even after being married, um, they were afraid that they would spread the virus to their spouse. And just like in the, um, story that, um, Terry Warren said about author Terry Warren of the good news about the bad news. Um, she shared that one of her, um, um, clients, um, actually was 60 something years old as a male and he was tired of you know wearing condoms but he didn't want to infect you know his wife who was fully aware that you know he had the virus but he was tired of it and she basically said it was the decision that you guys make um and that's why I got the it's your partner's choice (laughs) you know what I'm saying that's why I got that that kind of um slogan from but um in her in his or her, her email, um, I identified with it because, of course, like I just said, I still, you know, am very much fearful of spreading the virus to my partners. And that's my new fear that I have to overcome. Now, when I read this email, I read it actually early in the morning. I must admit, it really stayed with me the rest of the day. I was in my feelings the whole day, so much so that I didn't respond immediately to this email because I didn't want to give advice that was totally out of feelings because this person was asking me for advice on what they should do. And I didn't want to operate out of fear 
and transfer that fear onto the person who was emailing me. So I stayed in my feelings all the way, just to process what would I do if I was in this person's shoes? You know what I'm saying? So I stayed in my feelings. I mean, like it weighed on me because one reason why it weighed on me was because this person said that they were married and not to knock anybody. Everybody processes things differently, but it, it put me really in that person's shoes. And I said to myself, would I feel the way this person felt if I were married and, you know, my partner didn't have the vice, would I still be fearful at that point? Would I be still fearful? Because at that point where you've married that person or you're about to marry that person, my hope for myself is that we have fully talked about these fears. You know, we have had the discussion more than once. He has, you know, disclosed to me how he feels about it, his fears, and I have disclosed the feelings I had about spreading it to him so that it wouldn't be such a big concern or fear after we've gotten married. We would have fully um, talked about everything and put everything on the table. That's my hope. Now, would that happen? Maybe this person thought that they would have done the same thing, but just was just too concerned of the person leaving them to really have a really heart-to-heart discussion. And that's basically what I told the person. I said, you really have to have a heart-to-heart with your spouse. Like, you have to lay everything out there. You have to tell your spouse how you feel. And then also ask them, do they share the same concerns? Do they... Are they fearful that they would contract the virus? And if they did, because it is still possible, you know, you will do everything in your power that they do not contract the virus, but it is still possible that they can contract the virus. If they did, how would they feel? Have they thought about it? You know, these are things that you should discuss with your partner, you know, in depth. And so that's what I told the person who emailed me, the listener who emailed me, these are the things, just have an open conversation with your spouse. That's the only advice that I can give because we can't 100%, you know, protect anyone that we have sex with because like we all know, you know, we could be viral shedding and have no symptoms. And then we have unprotected sex because we say, oh, we don't have any symptoms and we still give it to somebody. So there is not a 100% guarantee that we will not give it to someone who doesn't already have it. So the part, your partner should know that risk, never leave that risk out. Your partner should know that. And when they know that, let them process it and then come back and ask them, how do you feel about that? Do you, are you afraid of that? Is that something that if you do contract for me, will you resent me? Or is it something that you can live with? You know, so that was my advice um, to that listener. And um, I hope it was helpful. And also, I just want to, and this is a live recording, so that's why I'm pausing, guys, just to look over my notes. Um, but I want to also thank you guys for um, emailing me now. I remember once upon a time, 
I used to beg you guys to email me. <laughs> I used to beg you guys, hey, you can, you can, you know, email me. I'll keep you anonymous, you know. <laughs> you know, I used to beg you guys, but now I am receiving emails and I don't want you guys to stop. It makes me feel great that you can confide in me about this. Um, I don't know everything when it comes to this topic. I'm not a physician. I'm not a counselor, even though I did go to school for counseling. (laughs) I did. I just never used it. Um, Once I got into it, I really didn't. When I started practicing, when I went for my master's and I had to actually start using it, I didn't like it Um, because I'm an emotional person. I'm a Pisces. (laughs) So um, I'm an emotional person. And so what happens is that it's that transference of emotions. I take in what you are, are giving me, you know, and if it's something very heavy, it will, it will mess me up. (laughs) So I realized I was wise enough to say that this was not the profession for me. Um, as much as I love to help, I, I love helping people. I realized counseling wasn't it for me. So this is a form of what my passion is and um is because I'm so passionate about this subject because I have it um it's easier for me to counsel it's easier for me to speak about it it's easier for me to you know not get so much into my emotions because I feel like I felt every emotion possible when it comes to this anger, fear, stress, all of that. I felt it already. <laughs> so it's, it's not as heavy as a topic as if it was abuse or, you know, suicide or something like that. So, but, um, but I'm not, I'm not a counselor. Um, I'm not licensed to counsel, even though I have my master's, I'm not licensed to counsel. So I, um, what was I saying? But I just want to thank you um, for sharing with me and trusting me with with your situations and knowing that I understand. I know it helps. So keep keep emailing me. I really enjoy receiving your emails. Um, Now, what I want to talk about a little bit, um, and it's not going to be long. I I don't really have that many notes um, when it comes to that. Um, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was, um, when things happen, do you guys believe that everything happens for a reason? You know, I know that it sounds cliche when people say, you know, everything happens for a reason, you know, but do you guys really believe that? I mean, I do. And I know that there are some that might say, well, what about when people die or when they are, you know, natural, um, what is it? Natural disasters. Do you believe that those things happen for a reason? And that's a good question, you know, because nobody wants to see a child die. Nobody wants to see, you know, hundreds of people, you know, thousands of people like, um, the world trade center, like, like nine 11, nobody wants to see that happen. And to say that that happened for a reason, you know, those things are very devastating and sad, you know, but I do believe, yes, I do believe that everything happens. There's a purpose for everything, not for a reason, but there's a, a purpose for everything. The outcome of what happens, there's a purpose for that. 
Um, and as we saw with 9-11, how we all came together. Yeah, there were thousands of lives lost, but and that was very sad and that was very tragic. And it still hurts, but it brought us together, you know, as a nation. And when there's, you know, tragedy and sadness, there's change. You know, as much as we hate to feel that pain, something shifts. And I believe that shift is the purpose. And um, as difficult as it may be to overcome, I believe that everything has a time like the song to everything turn 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 and you know for a long time side note i thought that was the beatles that sung that song that is not the beatles that's the birds or something like that i was shocked when i looked that up (laughs) i was very shocked side note but let's get back on track (laughs) um but i do believe once you overcome whatever the obstacle is whatever the hurdle is whatever the mountain is whatever dark place you have to go through Whatever it is, when you get out of it, you'll be able to identify and help someone else who is also going through it to get through it. That's the purpose. That's the reason. And I can say that in this as an example, with this as an example, like when I was diagnosed, I've I've told this story, you know, a lot on this podcast, but I was in a dark place for years. I mean, as recent as three years ago, I was in a very dark place, suicidal. Also thought about it was never strong enough to do that. Never, you know, or selfish enough. I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but I couldn't think of anything. I didn't want to hurt myself. I didn't want to cause pain to myself. I just, the um, thing that I thought about, and and, I mean, I'm taking you guys someplace. I don't know why, but what I thought about was just driving off a cliff, driving off of an overpass. And that's why to this day, I don't like overpasses because it reminds me of where my mind would go. And um, I thank God that he took me out of that dark place because that was not a good place. I didn't stay there long, but I questioned why, you know, and I felt like I could never come out of whatever that was, that depression was. I felt like I could never come out of it. And it stemmed from all of the fears that I had about this virus of not being loved and not being accepted and not finding or having hope for a future. And I can't tell you exactly what pulled me out of it, but I thank God it did. If I thought long enough about it, I probably, because I, I wasn't going to go here on this episode, so that's why I can't think right now. But if I um, thought long enough, I could probably tell you what happened. And you know what? That's what I'm going to do for the next episode. I'm going I'm to really go back and, and um, dissect what happened around the time, because that was just three years ago. It really was recent, and um, you know, we we know how hard this is. I know how hard this is. So, if I'll say this, if anybody is going through those types of thoughts, hit me up. You're not alone. Um, and I'm telling you, with all these people who are playing these episodes, you're not alone. We've all been there. We all felt hopeless. We all felt like we were never going to be loved. 
that we were tired of hiding, you know, who we are. We were tired of waiting for answers. We were tired of praying for healing. You know, I prayed and I cried and I cursed at God so many times, you know, thank God he didn't strike me down, (laughs) you know, but I've been there. It's hard. This is hard. And like I had said on one episode, I feel like we go through post-traumatic stress. I really do believe that there's some type of correlation, even though it's not one. I mean, it does stem from one traumatic incident, but at times we don't feel like it's traumatic. You know, it's it's the after effect of of the action that causes the trauma. So I feel that there's some type of correlation there. Because when I looked up post-traumatic stress, and actually, let me look it up right now so I can tell you, because I think there's something there. And I feel like I want to reach out to somebody and see if there is a a correlation, if there's a study, or maybe a study should be done. Because when you look up information about this virus and how it affects us mentally, all it talks about is the stress. But it doesn't talk about all of the other parts that are combined in it. You know, what we actually mentally go through. Like, this thing is life-changing. And it's like, we'll never be the same. That is, to me, the definition of post-traumatic stress disorder. That's, that's, That's just it. And when I'm looking it up now... And it says, okay, post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event, either experiencing it or witnessing it. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event. Most people who go through traumatic events may have temporary difficulties temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and good self-care, they usually get better. If the symptoms get worse, last for four months or even years and interfere with day-to-day functioning, you may have PTSD. Does that not sound like what we, what we go through? That sounds like it to me. That sounds like it to me. I don't, I don't know about you, but that sounds like to me, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm catching on to something here. Like, this needs to be looked into. It says, also, post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms may start within one month of, of a trauma or event. But sometimes symptoms may not appear until years after the event. These symptoms can cause significant problems in social or work situations and in relationships. They can also interfere with your ability to go about your normal your normal daily tasks. PTSD symptoms are generally grouped with four types of groups: um, intrusive memory, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mood, and changes in physical and emotional reactions. Symptoms can vary over time or vary from person to person. I think I'm on something here, guys. I really do. We need to have this checked out. Like, somebody needs to do a study on this. Why hasn't somebody done a study on this? This sounds like what we go through, doesn't it not? I mean, like, that's textbook. 
I mean, that was my cause. I mean, that was my case. Am I tripping? Or does this really not sound like we suffer from PTSD? I'm looking today, y'all. I'm not going to let that go. I don't know what I'm looking for. Why am I looking into it? But there's some type of correlation to me. There's some type of correlation. Maybe we need counseling. What do you guys think? Do you think we need counseling after being diagnosed? That once we're diagnosed with this virus that our physicians should um, recommend counseling with to cope with the emotional scarring that this virus has? Y'all, I think I'm on something here. I think I'm on something here. I'm tripping for real because I really think this is important. I think this is, I think this is needed. I think we need it. I don't know. I don't know. But I think I'm on something. But going back to, um, I'm sorry, I got very, very sidetracked there. Um, but going back to um, everything happening for a reason. The reason why I brought it up is because, like I said, this this is my purpose. I feel like it was a hard road, but once I came out of it, after I came out of that dark place, I was able, I mean, really, like within a year, I was able to find purpose in, in all of that dark space and all of that stuff that I, all of the fears that I overcome. And I still have things that I need to overcome, but there's always something else. You know what I'm saying? There's always going to be, once you get to the mountain, you still got to get down it. That's another obstacle. Sometimes getting down the mountain is as hard as getting up, you know, cause you can lose your footing. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like as painful as it is, once you get through it, you can pull somebody else out of it. Take that as, I don't know if that helps some people, but it really does help me that whether it be days from now, weeks from now, months from now, or years from now, if you are going through something, has, it, it may not even be anything. Let's just take the whole virus thing out of the equation. Whatever it is that you're going through, right now that feels like it's going to be impossible or that you will never get through it. You will. You will. And when you stop and think about why did I go through that? What did I learn from it? Whatever it is you you learned from it, whatever it is you experienced, If you see somebody, if you identify somebody else going through the same thing, that was the purpose so that you could speak life into that person. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out there and do a podcast or that you need to get on some type of soapbox or that you need to get on a pulpit and preach about it. I'm not saying that, but I guarantee that one day God is going to bring somebody along that needs to hear your story. And you won't even know that they're going through what you've been through. But something that you learned out of that experience is going to speak life into that individual. And you may not even recognize it in that moment. But 
that person will take whatever it is that you spoke into them and they probably will run with it. And they may come back one day and say, thank you. You don't know how you changed my life. Or even if you never get a thank you for it, just know that there is purpose. There is. And I I don't know if this is helping anybody. And I'm not trying to, you know, preach to anybody. And this has nothing to do with religion. It really does. It doesn't. No matter what your religion, even if you're not religious, I still believe that everything has a purpose and that you can speak life into people from what you experience. Or even if it's not a positive note, you know, you can, you can say, well, I didn't have a positive experience, but the fact that you're still standing and that you can still speak about it and that you're still living and that you're still coping, even though you haven't probably gone, you know, completely gotten through. Cause I, I haven't completely gotten through or gotten over, I should say, um, what this virus has done to me. As you guys saw in the last two episodes, there's still things, still fears that I'm dealing with, but I know that I'm an overcomer. As hard as it is, I know I will overcome it as long as it takes. I know that it's going to get better. That I do know. That I'm confident in. Now I'm confident in those things. Because once we used to break me, that disclosure piece, I now master that thing. You know what I'm saying? I master that. And if I can master that, I can master the next obstacle. I can jump over that thing and still have space and air in between us. You know what I'm saying? It gets better. I promise you. And I feel like I'm rambling. (laughs) I feel, I I always feel like I'm rambling when I'm talking to you guys. Now that I'm doing this stuff live, there's no structure anymore. (laughs) I have little notes here of what I should, you know, little topics that I should talk about or whatever, but there's no structure in this conversation. This is a free flowing conversation and I like it. I like it like this. I like that, you know, I can jump around, I can hop around and still feel like I'm doing something. (laughs) But I mean, I know I am, but, um, but guys, I think that's going to do with this episode. I see that this is a 35 minute episode as of now. So I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, If you want to reach out to me like the others, you can reach out to me by emailing me at yahirajoneshope at gmail.com. And that's Y-A-H-I-R-A-J-O-N-E-S-H-O-P-E. Don't forget the hope. A lot of people forget the hope. The hope is in there for a reason. Because there's hope (laughs) Um, at gmail.com. Or you can press the message box. Um, button if you're listening through anchor the message button at the bottom of the screen or you can also go into the show notes my show notes there should be a link where you can also leave a voicemail message all right um oh on another note i did um i know a couple of episodes ago i think maybe it was about four or five episodes ago i had mentioned i was gonna try to interview my mom this was right after I interviewed my best friend I wanted to interview my mom and I thought that would have been a great idea but every time I would go there I would forget or you know so many things goes on I mean she has me running when I go home like because I don't live near so when I go home she has like a million two things for me to do (laughs) but um I remembered this last time Um, because my sister wasn't there. And so we was really able to just sit down and talk. And I said, Ma, I want to 
do an interview with you for my podcast because she knows about it. She's heard episodes. And um, she was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, what? You don't want to support me? She was like, no, I support you. I, I support you. I think you're doing a great thing, but I don't want to be on it. And I said, well, I won't say your name. You know, nobody will know it's you. You know, I don't think any of our family members listen to it. So she was like, no, I'm not doing it. So bummer. I was hoping that she would one day want to. And I'm still going to ask her every now and again because I'm spoiled. And she normally gives in. (laughs) But um, I'm going to ask her and... Hopefully she will. And then one day I may, I'm not ready yet, but one day I may um, ask my new guy. Well, he's not that new anymore. We've been dating now for four months. But um, I'll ask him if he would like to interview. So until next time, I do have a topic in mind, but you won't hear it for another two weeks. So tune in in two weeks to see what the next topic is going to be about. Until next time, I'm your host, Yahira Jones. Be safe and God bless.